I have a lot of weird tendencies. And sometimes I just like to share them with you guys to see if anyone else has some of the same tendencies. When I lose something, I never blame myself. I never accuse myself. It is always someone else's fault. There's no way someone as intelligent and smart as me could lose something so easy. Does anyone else ever feel like that? Do you, you blame your mom? You have three people in the room. All right, we're, we're going to be best friends. Four people. Okay. I always feel like that. Like I'm blaming whoever, my girls, I'm blaming my dog, like whoever it is. It's always their fault. It's never my fault. I recently just lost my AirPods, and that is a horrible, horrible feeling. I've never lost a child in Disney World, but I kind of feel like it feels the same way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is just the worst feeling ever. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to move on. Um, I was looking everywhere. It was actually after a Friday night. I ran. um, I was going through my bag, and I was looking for them, and I realized that I only had the case. I popped open the case and the AirPods weren't in there. And I was like, oh no, wait, maybe I dropped them in my bag somewhere. So I was looking all over my bag and I couldn't find them. Um, I called a bunch of people that I was with early in their day to see if it was at their house. No one could find them. It, it was a Friday and I had left my bag in the back of the room and I immediately assumed one of you stole it. I was like, oh, probably one of the kids stole it. Like, there's no way that I lost it. How could they How could I have the case and not the AirPods? I was like, man, someone's pretty stupid because you can't really use the AirPods without the case because that's how you charge them. But I was convinced that I didn't lose it. And I was accusing like all these different people in my head. Um, That Sunday, I was really upset. You know like how when you lose something, and maybe this is one of my weird tendencies, you like have to make peace with it in your heart. Like, man, I lost this part of my life. I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to move on without it. You guys are like, Joey, you have deep issues. Like people do that for actual real things that they lose. But that's me. I'm like trying to picture my life without my AirPods. I really like them, as you can tell. Um, and I'm like kind of made peace with it. And I come here and I'm like, you know, what? just let me look in the back where my bag was. And I look over to where it was, and I see one AirPod just lying on the floor. And I'm like, praise you, Jesus. I will never do anything wrong in my life again if you show me where this next AirPod is, right? And as I start looking through the curtains, I find the other AirPod. Guys, I almost broke into a praise dance in that moment. I'm not much of a dancer, but I was so happy that I found it. But normally, when I lose something, I always blame someone else. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I told you guys how... And when I was in high school, I got in a lot of trouble. And I would normally get accused for things that I didn't do just because my reputation preceded me. And I told you guys about the time where I dropped the firecrackers into the toilet, right? And so this is what happened. Um, let's, so let's fast forward. That was probably about three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, someone came up to me and was like, um, Joey, where'd you get those firecrackers? And immediately, I got very suspicious. I'm like why do you want to know where the firecrackers are or where I got them? And he's like, you know, I just think it'd be really funny if I did the same thing. That is a terrible idea. Like right now, guys, the things that I tell you from that I did when I went to high school, I'm not proud of it. Do not do the things that I have done. And you know what? It was just so funny because I just saw myself getting accused. Like I saw this kid getting some firecrackers, dropping them in the toilet, and you know homeboy would have snitched me out so hard. He would have been like, it was my youth pastor, Joey. He lives at 24 Sequoia Drive. He goes to Living Word Church, right? He would have given like all my details, like my social security number would have sold me out. And I like literally woke up one night like in a panic a little bit, like sitting in the principal's office, like getting yelled at. Like I was really a real scare for me in that moment. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really terrible thing to get accused. Some of you guys know what that's like to get accused of doing something. And maybe you did do that thing or you didn't do that thing. Either way, it's a really horrible feeling. And, you know, we've all in this room have struggled with different sins in our life. We know what it's like to be in seasons where we're doing really good in our walk with God. And we also know seasons where it's really easy to struggle in our faith sometimes. Some of you guys know what it's like to really struggle with jealousy or lying or lust or anger or pride. The list goes on and on with all the different things that you could be struggling with tonight. But if we were all honest, we all have something that we've struggled with at a point in our life, or maybe we're in the middle of it right now. We're in a big battle. And you know what these two things, all these sins produce? They always produce regret and guilt in our heart. And those can be really painful things to try and overcome because it feels like no matter how hard we try, we can't get away from some of these things that we've done. And they could be such a burden on some of our lives. And you know what? Here's what I know is true. If I had everyone in the room close their eyes tonight, and I just asked everyone, and I'm not going to do this, so don't get worried, but if I asked everyone just to close their eyes for a second and raise your hand if there's something that you just feel really guilty about, I'm sure that every single person in this room would raise their hand, that they would have something that they're going through right now that they just feel so embarrassed about, that if anyone else knew about, they would feel horrified. So this is a big issue that a lot of us are going through. We just don't talk about it all that much. And my hope tonight is to try and help some of you guys that are really hurting and really struggling with you. For some of you guys, you just constantly feel accused. You constantly just feel attacked. You constantly feel guilty. You feel like you're not sure if God could really love someone like you. Maybe God forgives some sins, but not the thing that you did. You're not sure if you'll ever get into heaven. And you constantly are reminded of what you've done. It's like a movie that plays over and over in your head. No matter how hard you try to forget about it, it always just seems like when you wake up in the morning, there it is. Or maybe you even have dreams about it sometimes. It's so difficult when you're going through that. I've been through that in a season in my life, and I know a lot of you guys have been there before. Maybe some of you are there tonight. It seems like that thing just consumes you, and you're always being accused. For some of you guys, your accuser is someone that you know. Every time you see this person, it reminds you of what you did. Or maybe that person likes to remind you by telling you what you did. Maybe they know that you go to church. And they tell you, how dare you go to church? You're so messed up. You're so flawed. I know what you did. And so you just feel like you can never escape that. You feel like if this person feels this way, then how could God, the creator of everything, feel different about me when this person knows how messed up I am and they can't even forgive me or help me move on? For others of you guys in the room tonight, it's the enemy. It's it's the devil. And I know maybe if you're new to church, that sounds weird. Like the devil, that guy with horns that runs around. And our lead pastor, Doug, says something awesome whenever he talks about the devil. one of the ways that we know he's real is just by turning on the news and all the horrible things that you see all the time that are in the news. And so it's not the way that you picture it, but there is definitely some evil in this world. And that devil hates your relationship with God. 
And one of his names in the Bible is the accuser of the brethren. He loves to bring up all the wrong things that you and I have done. And he loves to make us feel guilty. He loves to make us feel ashamed because of all the wrong things. And so some of you guys just have that constantly going through your thoughts. It just consumes you day in and day out. And so that's the way that you feel accused today. And some of you guys, you are the accuser. You like to bring up for other people all the wrong things that they have done. You're holding it against someone in your life. And you tell them who they used to be all the time. And I don't want to go too deep into that last one because we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth the next time I preach. But for some of you guys, you just feel like you got it all together. You feel pretty perfect. And you love to remind everyone else about how flawed they are. And we're going to look at a story tonight. And there's going to be a couple of different angles that we really need to look at. Because I understand that all of us are in different stages in this room tonight. We're all going through different things. Some of you guys are living in sin tonight. There is something that you are doing that you know is wrong. And that this story that we're going to look at is going to speak to you. And I hope it helps you in that stage that you're in tonight. And some of you guys just feel really condemned tonight because of the things that you have done. This story is also going to speak to you. And then some of you guys are those prideful people. Some of those people that love to remind everyone else of all the wrong things they've done. And this story has something to say for you tonight too. But there's just so much at stake, guys, because it's so easy to try and push this down. It's so easy to try and forget about it and not deal with it. But tonight you get an opportunity to deal with this, to hit this head on. And what we're going to talk about tonight is something that I love about God. This is why I do what I do. This is what makes me passionate. This is what makes me excited. It's a reminder to all of our hearts tonight about who Jesus really is. And maybe you're not a Christian in the room tonight. You're, you're searching, and I've already thrown out a, a lot of different things. I've said a lot of different things. You're, you're not even sure if you believe all of this. Well, tonight, I, want, I hope that you see a picture of a God who really cares about you and cares about these things that have been going on in your life. And so we're going to be in John chapter 8. And this is what it says. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say. And so here's Jesus and these Pharisees who were the religious rulers of the time bring this woman who is caught in the middle of the act of adultery. And they say, Jesus, what would you do with a situation like this? Now, when you first look at this, maybe you're tempted to think, man, how disgusting is this woman? How horrible is what she did? Let me ask you guys this. Have you ever felt really good about someone else's sin? Let me say that again. Have you ever felt really good about someone else's sin? I think we do that all the time. We look at our life and some of the things that we're struggling with, and then we look at someone else that we know and say, man, at least I'm not as bad as that person. And 
Everyone looks down at this woman in this moment. And you know what's so interesting to me that I have a hard time getting past sometimes? Is as I read this story, I see one person right here that's brought before Jesus. But doesn't it take two people to commit adultery? Where is the other person? Why have they only brought this woman? See, they were trying to accuse this woman. They were trying to trap her. They wanted her to be stoned in this moment. And I think a lot of us don't feel like we're that bad tonight. We feel like all right, we have some things, but we're not there yet because that is such a wrong attitude. You know that toy that kids play with where you have to put the shapes in it, right? If it's a star, then you have to find the little star piece and put it in, right? My kids have something like that, and they love that toy. You know what? This woman was just really bad at that game, and you and I are really bad at that game. That's a good picture of our heart sometimes. Our heart was meant to be satisfied by one thing, and that one thing is Jesus. And so she tried to fill it with something besides the love of God, and it got her into some trouble. And you and I try that all the time. We try and take all these different things that the world offers, or offers us and try to jam it into our hearts. And then when it doesn't fit, we get upset, right? But that's all this woman was really trying to do. She was just trying to find satisfaction. And you and I do the same thing when we're trying to find joy in this life sometimes. And we look to things that we know aren't going to satisfy us. Could you imagine the shame and the brokenness that this woman feels right now, Right? Like she was just caught right there in the middle of it and they drag her out in front of this guy named Jesus that she's talked about. I picture her just weeping bitterly, just so broken, feeling so condemned over what she has just been caught doing. And she's just sitting there and all these men are saying all these things and she probably thinks that she's about to die right now. She probably thinks it's all over for her. How could she stand before someone that was so holy and him be okay with all the things that she had done wrong. See, some of you guys think that you're just playing with sin tonight. You think that you'll just use it for a little bit and the consequences won't catch up to you, but they will. And this woman felt deep brokenness in this moment. Her sin had really broken her heart and it got her to a place that she probably wished that she wasn't in. And your sin will always do that. Because our sin baits us to the edge and then it chastises us once we fall over. It says, how could you do something so horrible? How could you do something messed up? But it was the very thing that led us to the edge. And that's how the enemy works in so many of our lives. And here's what you need to catch. According to the law, this woman did deserve to be stoned. She did. For what she had done was wrong and it was sinful and the wages of sin is death. Guys, the things that you and I have done that are wrong deserve death. They deserve for us to be separated from God. That one day when we pass from this life to the next, we deserve to go to hell. And I know you're thinking, man, Joey, this is, this is really great. I'm so glad I brought all my friends tonight. This is such a happy moment, right? But it's the truth. And until you realize that that is the truth, you won't be able to fully enjoy what we're about to talk about 
in just a moment. And so this woman did deserve to be stoned. Let's look at this next verse. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger when they kept on questioning him. And so here's Jesus and all this is happening around him and he doesn't say anything. He gets down on his hands and his knees and they're saying so many different things to him. They're telling him why that this should happen right now. And he begins to write in the sand. And we don't know what he wrote. Scholars will debate about what he wrote in the sand. What I think that he did right here in this moment is I think he looked out into the crowd of all the men that were accusing. And I think at this point he just writes each of their name in the sand. And, and they're all saying all the right things and all these horrible things. And he just writes their name in the sand. And then he gets up and he listens to more of what they have to say. Because too many of us have got rocks in our pockets waiting to throw them at people when they do something wrong. We can't wait sometimes to hear about how people have failed. Instead of letting our hearts be broken we're ready to throw rocks at them and say, what a failure. What a mistake. Maybe that person never really even knew God. Maybe they never even really had a relationship. They must have never read their Bible. Man, they stopped coming to church those times. No wonder they failed. And we are constantly throwing rocks with our words. Too many of us look like the Pharisee. Pharisees in, in this picture. And that is so far from the heart of God. And that's why so many people are afraid to be open. That's why so many people are afraid to be honest about what they're really going through is because they're worried the second that they tell people that everyone will break out their rocks and start throwing them. Man, that breaks my heart that people are so scared to really share what they're going through because they feel like they're gonna be met with judgment. Let's look at this next part. He straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And so, like I said, this is complete speculation when I'm saying what I think he wrote the names down, right? And so he tells them, all right, any of you that has never committed a sin in your life, pick up a rock and throw it at her. And he gets back down again. And like I said, I don't know what he writes in this moment, but I think he looks at all the men and he starts writing right next to their names, the sins that they have committed maybe this week, the things that they have done wrong recently, and he writes them each down. And as he writes them, I think the men realize that something really powerful is going down right here in this moment. And I think they begin to remember that they're just as broken as this woman is that they are just as flawed as this woman is. Let's look at this next verse. This is what it says in verse nine. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. She said, Neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So 
One by one, they all drop their stones and they walk away. What, would, what else would cause these men to walk away? I think that's really what Jesus did in those moments. See, guys, this is what happen, happens. Because of Jesus, the accusations against us hold no power anymore. All the things that you have been lately hearing from other people hold no power because of Jesus, because of what he has done. The enemy can say all that he wants to you, but it has no power. They are empty words because of what Jesus has done. Other people can remind you of what you've done, but they hold no power. The only one that can make a judgment, that can make an accusation against you, is Jesus, is God. But instead he meets this woman with compassion and he says, where are your accusers? Some of you just need to hear God speak that to your heart tonight. Where are your accusers? Because none of them can stand before Jesus and have a more powerful say than he does. You need to hear that deep in your heart tonight, that those things aren't held against you anymore. And then he tells her, go and leave your life of sin. So he tells her, all right, woman, you are forgiven, but now go and live differently. And that's what God asks of us, is when we bring our brokenness and our shame, is that now we would leave different. And that doesn't mean that we always get it right or we always get it perfect, but we go and try and live the best of our ability with his help to be different because we could never truly do it without him. There's just one more quick portion of scripture that I want to look at tonight. Just a couple of verses that I think are so powerful that really lines up with it. It says this in Colossians 3 verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. And so we, hear, we see the same thing that we saw before, that there was charges to be brought against us, that all of our sin deserved to give us a judgment of guilty. It's just the truth, guys. All those things that we've done without Jesus would lead us to a really dark place one day. But because of him, our sin no longer stands against us. It has no more power to condemn us. This next verse is so powerful. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. That is just such powerful imagery right here. I want you to think about the worst thing that you've ever done. That thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night. The thing that if you told anyone else, you would feel so embarrassed. Jesus has taken that thing and he has walked right to the cross with it. And with his hands that were nailed and with his feet that were nailed is also that thing that you are so ashamed of that thing that haunts you, that thing that bothers you, it is not have any power against you anymore. It has no say against your life. It can't be a charge anymore because of the cross. It is nailed 
with him there. Some of you just need to hear that tonight. And you need to see that and feel that 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 thing isn't really against you anymore because of Jesus. Stop being tormented. Stop letting the enemy run you in circles with lies because that's all it really is. If you have accepted Jesus into your heart, then those things have no power over you anymore. If you confess them to him, they're done with. They're forgotten. They're as far as the east is from the west. It says this in the next verse. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The greatest show of power of all time is when Jesus took all of the wrong things that everyone would ever commit, no matter how bad you think your issue is, no matter how bad your sin is, from the, the thing that we could, would consider the least to the thing that would be the worst, it's all been dealt with. He put on a public spectacle for all the world to see that it's done with, that it's forgiven. That thing has no more power over you. If you'll just give it to him, you will find new life and new healing. Guys, now that some of you know that, we need more people who are willing to get in the dirt. We need more people who are willing to get in the mess with other people who are hurting with sinners because at one time we were all in the dirt. But no one is better than anyone else. We have to create places in our life where people know we're not gonna take rocks out of our pockets and throw them at them for what they're really going through. You guys have been forgiven of so much. Treat other people the same way and watch all that God will do in your life. And some of you guys who have just been so haunted, so beat up, you need to pray, God, give me the faith to know that it's nailed to the cross. I believe it, but I just don't feel it. Help me, God, to get to that point. And he will, because that's how good he really is. There's a lyric in the song that I've just been singing all week, and I just love it so much. It's this. If you left the grave behind you, so will I. Some of you guys can leave the grave behind you. That pit that you've been stuck in so long because of that sin. Jesus got up out of his grave so that you could get up out of your grave tonight and find new life. You don't have to keep living in that same pattern. You can find new life and new hope. And so here's the bottom line. What I want you guys to remember is that Jesus is the judge who took the judgment. He was the only one that could have brought a judgment against us, but he took it in our place. Greater love knows nothing compared to someone who would lay down his life for his friends. You guys can be free. You can know real hope. Tonight is your new beginning, all because of Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for your great grace, for your great love. And tonight, God, I, there is a heaviness, there is, there is a weight to all of this that I pray that none of us would just push away, God. That you would get on a cross for sinful people so that we could be free, so that the things that we've done are no longer held against us, that there are no more charges against us because you took the charges, God. There is 
nothing that compares to that. And I just pray for someone in the room tonight, God, that has just been beating themselves up. Someone that has just been living in cycles of condemnation, God, that you would break it tonight, that they would know that your cross truly is enough, that there's healing in your name tonight, Lord. I pray, Jesus, as we sing these songs in just a moment, Lord, that there would be a new freedom released, God, that there would be new healing, that, Holy Spirit, you would come and do something so real tonight. We don't want hype. We don't want just a good feeling in our hearts tonight. We want you and all that brings. And sometimes that's messy. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it takes being honest. But it is real living. It is real freedom and real hope. And I pray, God, that you would do what only you can do tonight. I want to give you guys an opportunity tonight. If you have never started a relationship with Jesus, just a chance to do that tonight. And the way you do that is by putting your trust in him tonight. And it's not this prayer or the words that I'm about to say that save you. It's the belief in your heart that he's real, that he died on a cross to wipe away your sins and that he rose again in victory, that he got out of the grave and now we can live a new life. And so if you want to pray that prayer tonight for the first time, you don't, I'm not going to make you stand up or do anything weird like that. You can just silently pray these words with me. Just repeat them right after me. Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you. I don't know what all of this means. I don't have all the theology down perfectly, but I know you're doing something in my heart tonight. And I want to start a journey with you. Would you save my life? Would you wash away my sins? I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again and I want to know this new life. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, just with every eye closed, with no one looking around, would you just look at me right in the eyes tonight if this is the first time you ever prayed that? Just with no one looking around. Awesome. Awesome. The Bible says that every time someone puts their faith in Jesus for the first time, that there's a party in heaven on your account tonight. What an amazing God we serve. We love you so much, Father. Thank you that you are the resurrecting King and you are bringing hearts back to life tonight. That's not just empty words that we sing tonight, but they are promises. And we love you, God. So grateful for you. Pray all this in your name. Amen.